Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. Today's guest is your quintessential entrepreneur. She can see a business opportunity, a gap in the market a lot more clearly than most of us. Then she works like crazy to stamp her foot in that space. Originally from the UK, Laura Harris had just arrived in Australia after spending a decade in New Zealand. She got a job selling cars at a car dealership in Brighton in Melbourne. She soon realised that the gifts that the dealership provided were done in-house and more as an afterthought. They were rushed and the quality of the gifting was compromised. Laura saw that as an opportunity. Surely other businesses needed help with gifting too. So she founded Go Above and Beyond, a business she absolutely loves and that has completely taken off. What a go-getter and what an incredible journey. More of that in a moment. First, I ask Laura to take me back to when she was much younger, because she's still young, and when she was studying university in Germany. We hope you enjoy this chat. Laura, thank you for joining us. You completed two years of a university degree in Germany. Everything was in German. Wow. Tell me about the background on this. So Emma, I've always had a passion for languages. I started learning French at the age of 11 at school and German at the age of 12 and followed that all the way through high school and absolutely loved it. And then after I finished school, I'd always planned to go to university, but it was quite a tradition to have an OE or a gap year as we used to call them over in the UK. And one of my other passions is skiing. So I combined the two and I went and did a ski season over in Austria, which was uh, interesting. Let's put it that way. I had a blast. I had the best time. But from a language perspective, the German that I learned at school was very different to the Austrian that I was thrown into when I went to live over there. Anyway, it was in those days before internet, before mobile phones, before anything, I was in a small little village, no English speaking people there at all. And so I was fully immersed in the language. And within the first three months were a challenge, but just after three months, I remember waking up one morning and thinking, wow, I've just dreamt in German and I've just written my to-do list in German and just, you know, and thought, wow, this is, this is fantastic. And then I wanted to do a broad spectrum business degree just to have a really kind of base understanding of all aspects of business. And so I found a course that combined the two, the language and the the course content. And it happened to be that two of those years were over in Germany. And at the time, it felt a very normal thing. Like, oh, okay, this is fine. This is great. It's only now that I look back on it in hindsight that I go, oh, 
I actually did that. <laughs> you know, the lectures were in German, uh, the coursework all had to be written in German. You had to stand up and give presentations in front of hundreds of people. And it all had to be in German, all your slides were written in German, your exams were in German. So yes, it's now only when I look back on it and think, goodness gracious, that was quite an achievement, quite an undertaking. But I had a fantastic time. I absolutely loved it. That's amazing. It's hard enough to, having kids, it's hard enough to get the English language right, let alone get other languages right. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. How important do you think that experience was to your life? I think that was, it was an incredible experience. It obviously, even kind of prior to that, at the age of 18 years old, kind of going and living overseas by yourself, it definitely made me very independent. It made me incredibly resourceful as well. And I think going forward, that's a really important skill to have. It's not necessarily about the resources you have. It's about how you use your resources or how you find extra resources. And what I mean by that is asking questions, finding people, networking, using what you have to get the outcome that you want. And I think I picked that up at a really early age. Then obviously kind of just wanting to explore and finding out different things and having to find out things for yourself. Yeah, that's amazing. I had one key example there, which I've always lived by, which was when I lived in Germany, I lived about 45 minutes away from the Czech border, about three hours by train away from Prague. And nearly every weekend, there was a group of people going to Prague or going over to Czech. And everyone said, oh, Laurie, are you going to come? Are you going to come with, come with us this time? And I always had a reason slash excuse for not going. Oh, I'm going to a party or I've got work to do or I've got an assignment due. And in the back of my head, I never in a million years thought I would end up living on the other side of the world. And I always thought, oh, there'll always be an opportunity to go back to Prague. There'll always be an opportunity to go back to the Czech Republic. And so I put it off and put it off and put it off. And you know what? To this day, I've never actually been to Czech or I've never been to Prague. And I live by that the whole time now. So when opportunities arise and come up, I am the first person to put my hand up and say, yep, I'm taking that. Yep, we're doing this. Because you never know. You just never know if that opportunity is going to come around again. And invariably, they don't. So it's it's one of my mantras from that time that I learned there to always take every single opportunity that you get. And tell me, have you gotten back there? No, I haven't even been. That sucks. <laughs> yes. It's definitely on the to-do list. I can't wait to go to check. <laughs> I love that. But you've got to go from Australia now, so that's, you know, a bit different to just 45 minutes down the road. Definitely, definitely. A much bigger undertaking. Yeah. Does, um, does speaking another language make you see things in a different perspective? I think it does. I really enjoyed this question, Emma, kind of thinking about that. I think learning a different language really helps see communication in a different perspective. So some of our go-to ways of communicating if someone doesn't understand is to often say things louder and slower until you almost get a nod from the other person, but doesn't actually mean they've understood what you mean. So I think learning a different language helps you to find synonyms for different words to try and explain things in a different way. And you 
can pick up very easily if the other person has understood or has not understood what it is that you've said because you've stood in those shoes and you have nodded at things and gone, oh, Jingo's, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, So you can really pick up and tell if someone has understood something. And I think learning a language definitely helps with that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I also think that even when it comes to English, the way that we communicate, the words that we use, the self-talk that we have as well, it all comes down to a, from a language perspective. And I also think that is fascinating. And I think from I've really grasped that concept as well from learning different languages. Yeah, I love that. In 2009, in Queenstown, New Zealand, you started a, your own fashion label, grew it and sold it. How'd that all come about? Yes. That's an interesting one too. So after I finished university, just to kind of backtrack into how I even got to New Zealand, when I finished university, I actually worked super hard at uni and came out with top grades. And I thought, gosh, it'd be nice to have another little break after this before. And in my mind, my plan was to go and work for a big multinational kind of company, probably over in London, something probably German based or Austrian based or something like that to use the language. What happened was I decided to take a little time off. I decided to go back to the mountains and I ended up in France working for the French ski school and had an absolute ball and a blast doing that. And I had such fun that I decided that I wanted to go back and do another year. But what was I going to do in the European summer? After a little bit of research, I thought, oh, I'm ski down in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, that's interesting. And saw that there were ski resorts in Australia, Chile, and New Zealand. And it was a bit of a process of elimination. I kind of thought, well, Chile would be super cool, but I don't actually speak Spanish. So that's probably not great. I actually looked at Australia But then something just drew me to New Zealand. I packed a backpack and a pair of skis. I waved goodbye to my family and said, I'll see you in about three months time. And I hopped on, I hopped on the plane, went and landed in Queenstown, South Island, New Zealand, and immediately fell in love with New Zealand, the New Zealand people, the New Zealand way of life. It was just heaven on earth. So I started off there basically as a ski bum. I got a bar job. All I cared about was skiing. But after a while, it kind of became clear that I was going to stay a bit longer in New Zealand. So I ended up working at an event management company, which was one of my dreams before I left school, before I went to uni, I really wanted to become an event manager. So I ended up there. I did about near on eight years of event management and I had a blast doing that. I really enjoyed it. But then it kind of became time for me to start thinking about doing my own thing. And I didn't want to open up in competition or do anything in the event space because it didn't feel right. I'd helped grow a family business. I had so much respect for the family that just going out and opening up in competition really didn't sit well with my core values at all. So the fashion label came about because my father at the time was living in Vietnam living and working in Vietnam. And I always had that kind of business mentality, obviously, from my studies. So it wasn't my love of fashion that made me go and start a fashion label. It was actually identifying that in Vietnam, I could 
manufacture at a pretty low cost, I could then take that back to New Zealand. I could build a brand around it and add value to the product and therefore create a business from it. So that's how that came about. I started off very slowly. I went to the markets. I bought samples at the markets, stuffed a couple of suitcases full, went back to New Zealand and then started at markets, starting trying to find a minimal just seeing if, if there was an MVP, a minimal viable product. And then when there was, and I saw the margins available, that's when the kind of business side took over and the branding came in and then kind of working those supply chains or distribution chains to get it out there. That's amazing. And how long, how long did you have the business for? I had that business for about four years, I think, all up. That's so cool. And then you sold it. I sold it. I did. I then, another kind of opportunity, I suppose, came up. I met an Australian man when he was on holiday in Queenstown. And we had a long distance relationship for a couple of years. And after that time, he said, hey, how about coming over to to Australia? Let's take our relationship to the next level. And I just spent 15 years in New Zealand. I had the best time. But Again, it kind of felt like it was time for a little bit of a change. And I thought, you know what, why not? What's the worst, like, what's the worst that could happen? And so the, the, the business had value. And so I ended up selling it and then and moving over to Australia. Taking those opportunities because you missed out on the other one. <laughs> Never miss out on an opportunity. I love it. So you were also involved with the tech startup, TAP. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So that was with two other uh, business partners, a really amazing friend of mine, Simon, and another guy, uh, Andreas, over in over in New Zealand. They had started the business prior to me coming in. I came in at probably after about a year. It was a fantastic experience and I learned a lot. The business didn't actually end up going anywhere, but it was absolutely full of incredible learnings and I wouldn't change that at all I learned so much through that yeah that's awesome what was your biggest learning in that I think the biggest learning in that was we had a platform-based business so the business was it started off being a taxi app so uber had just launched we saw the success of uber And interestingly, we all had a bit of a background in the taxi industry. So we thought, okay, well, look, Uber's going to come on strong. It's going to disrupt the taxi industry. Why don't we do something to try and keep Uber out of New Zealand and try and support the local taxi industry? As a platform, you have two sets of clients and two sets of customers. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You need to have people using the service, but you also need to have people providing the service. We had a lot of people wanting to use the service, but we couldn't get the people to provide the service and it became non-viable. Wow, that sucks. But, you know, so many of those stories where people have put their heart and soul into startups and then they've just gone, you know what, at some point you've had to, got to pull the pin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the three of us invested heavily in it. We actually all sold property for it. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars between us, several hundreds of thousands of dollars between us. And it took a while, I think, for all of us to recover from that, not only financially, but also kind of mentally to kind of come back from that and then certainly for me, kind of starting another business. 
I went through a big period of not really backing myself at the beginning. And a lot of that stemmed from the failure in inverted commas from the tap experience. But it's not necessarily a failure. It's all learnings. It's all experience. Wow. It all leads to today, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're such a go-getter. I love that. What is it that drives you? The things that drive me are that, in my opinion, we have one go at life. We've got one shot. That's it. And for me, life, it's such an amazing thing. I'm so, I feel so honoured and privileged to have, to be on this planet, to to have a life. There are so many people whose lives are cut short unexpectedly. And I think it's a disservice to those people if we don't really live our lives to the maximum. So I try and get every single minute out of every single day. And we've spoken about it before, Emma, just use every single opportunity. Just say yes to stuff and just go for it, you know? Sometimes things don't work out exactly the way that you think they're going to, but it's all learnings. It's all then part of being able to look back in hindsight and go, well, actually, if that hadn't have happened or if that had have worked out in a different way, I wouldn't be where I am now. So it's all definitely part of what my dad always used to call the rich tapestry of life. No, that's lovely. I love that. How important is technology these days to start a business, do you reckon? Interestingly, from someone who started a tech business, in my personal opinion, it's not the most important. In fact, I don't even think it would be up there in my top seven or eight, even 10 aspects of importance in starting a business. Yes, it's, you know, it's obviously great to have a base level knowledge of technology. I also think it's great for when you're scaling a business, but for starting a business, I don't think that it is the be all and end all. Yeah, it's interesting because when I work with, I work with a lot of women who are starting their own business or have been in their own business for a little while. And they, a lot of them talk about getting their website right and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's just about revenue, mate, in the first instance. And uh, the website isn't going to create revenue necessarily. You've got to get out there and do other positioning and content and all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting to me that people spend so much time on their website, which they're going to change anyway because it, it outdates. Emma, exactly. And do you know what? I have now had Go Above and Beyond, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but I've had that business for four and a half years and last week I launched my first website. <laughs> but my point proven perfect <laughs> so tell us about go above and beyond that's your current focus tell us about the business yep it is my current focus and again I am loving it I'm loving it I started the business again I'm going to backtrack a little bit and give the listeners a bit of a context about how it all came up so I moved to Australia I knew one person and one person only I knew I wanted to own my own business here. I just sold Funky. I knew I wanted to have my own business here. I didn't want to do the same thing, but I didn't know what the business was going to be. I had no idea where I was going to go next. I quickly got a job in the car industry, in the automobile industry. So the one person that I knew here 
he worked in the industry and said, look, if you're interested in working in cars, if you're interested in working in, in automotive, I can make a couple of introductions for you and you can see where you can go. You obviously know what I said, right? Yes. Okay. That sounds perfect. Let's do this. Never worked in the automotive industry before at all. So he made an introduction for me at a master dealership down in Brighton. I ended up getting the job as a new car sales person. I'd never sold a car in my life. I knew nothing about cars. In fact, the day before my first day at work, my friend took me around a car park and went, okay, well, that's an alloy wheel and that's a steel wheel. And, you know, we went through his car and he said, you know, this is where the VIN number's kept and this is where this is kept because I had no idea. I love that. <laughs> so I started off working at Brighton Mazda as a new car salesperson and I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the challenge. And I really enjoyed the sales aspect of it as well. And I really enjoyed kind of connecting with people. And you end up not really selling to people. You're just kind of having a chat with them and, and helping them kind of make the next decisions. And whether that was to kind of get into uh, Mazda or to go some, you know, to go somewhere else, well, that was fine. And at the time, they were doing gifting for new cars, but they were doing it in-house when you sell a new car as the new car salesperson, there is a stack of paperwork and compliance that needs to be done. And the last thing that you need to do is to go and kind of run around and try and find stuff to put into a little gift, which invariably had run out or half the stuff had run out. So then it all kind of starts to become very haphazard. You lose the whole meaning behind giving someone a gift. And it was a real pain in the butt, to be honest. So I went to the new car sales manager and I said, hey, look, if I could take the budget that you're using, use the exact same budget, make a much better product and provide a service for you at the same time, would you be interested and go for that? And he went, yeah, okay. As long as it doesn't cost me any extra, Laura. And I said, I promise, not one cent extra. And that was when Where Go Above and Beyond was born. So I left there. I started the business. I did take on a couple of extra contracts at the same time whilst I was building the business and ended up, yeah, supplying a whole bunch of other different automotive moving uh, companies, moving into different industries. And Brighton Mazda are still with me today, four and a half years on, supplying their new car delivery gifts. I hope their budget's gone up a bit. Yeah, it has a little bit, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> so nice when you um, can see an opportunity, and that's the genius of you. Obviously, you can see the opportunity there, and you can say, you don't have to spend any more money. I'm going to do this in a better way. It's awesome. It's awesome. So it's four and a half years. Correct, four and a half years. So literally within six months of landing in Australia, I had identified a business opportunity and had started and created a business. That's amazing. And it's beautiful. The products are beautiful. I'll make sure that we tell our audience how to get in contact with you. What would you say to those listening who are looking to start their own business? What advice would you give them? The first piece of advice that I would give anyone is to work on your mindset. Your mindset is so important and it is an absolute critical piece of the puzzle. If you haven't got your mindset sorted out, you are going to find it really difficult and really challenging. You have 
to start with what's in between your ears because if you don't, it's gonna come back and bite you in the butt every single time. You also have to be prepared to work on that consistently as your business grows, as you hit roadblocks, which are inevitable, but you need to commit to constant improvement in your mindset and constant checking on it because yeah, it's for me, it's critical, absolutely critical. Yeah, and a lot of the people that I work with I reckon it's 80% about mindset. Yes, you need to work hard and yes, you need to do all the right things and whatever already you need to do them in. But unless you can get that mindset cracking well, which is why people hire coaches, right? Because sometimes we get in our own way. We need to move that out of the way so that we can get on with whatever the business is. What other advice have you got? Actually, Emma, my second piece of advice is to work with a coach. (laughs) Yay! <laughs> not not paid, I promise everyone. <laughs> no, a hundred percent not. A hundred percent not. And do you know what? I have only learned that recently and it's only become my mindset and coach have taken number one and number two spot because I recently in the last twelve months started working with a coach and the first lessons are on mindset. And I remember thinking, hey, I came here for business strategy, like I didn't come here for mindset. And it then became a very quickly, it became abundantly clear that you can have all the strategies in the world. You can have the best strategy, the top, the newest strategy, the age old strategy. But if you haven't got your mindset right, it does not actually matter. Indeed. Yep. Yep. Definitely coach to assist you with that. To call you out on things, you know, if your limiting beliefs are coming in, you need to get called out on that, but you also need accountability as well. And I think that's coming from a coach is it's paramount. Absolutely. And then you can start working into things like I definitely start. I start lean, very lean. Uh, in fact, a couple of my friends say, Jesus, Laura, you could run on this smell of an oily rag. <laughs> like Seriously, I think get a minimal viable product, start really lean make sure you're really clear on your USP, understand what your unique selling point is so that you can differentiate yourself from your competitors and you can do that from the outset. It's very difficult to start searching for it later down the track. That often requires a bit of pivoting, but if you can get that set kind of at the beginning, I think that really helps for your direction. And then one of my key things after that is networking and relationships. Absolutely paramount. And let me just add, it's networking and relationships in person. It's absolutely, again, essential to not hide behind the computer, in my opinion. You know, don't just hide in social network forums. I'm not saying it's not important, but I think in person trumps building relationships on a computer by 100%. Yes, although in COVID times you need to pivot. (laughs) But uh... agree, agree. Look, that is notwithstanding, you know, what we recently went through during COVID. And of course, again, that kind of comes back to being resourceful, right? You know, you work with what you can work with. You work within the parameters that, that change all the time in business. Things change all the time. And you have to be agile. You have to be adaptable. You have to be able to pivot. But you also, when you can, need to get out there. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is it's about mindset. It's about getting a good coach and a good coach is about fit as well, right? 
because you don't want to work with someone who you don't like or know or don't trust because you won't do what they say or you won't have really good robust debate. Clarity, you didn't use that word, but you were saying get clear on your USP or your unique selling point and then relationships. And we had Janine Garner at one of our Business with the Queen events recently and she's written a book called It's Who You Know and it's about strategic networking relationships, right? And it's fascinating to me how many people don't put effort into finding a network of supporters and cheerleaders and that may change, but how many people don't put effort into that? And networking is really interesting because a lot of people don't like it. And I've got kind of three criteria for networking. Do I need connection? Do I need business development? And what impact will going to this networking function have on my family? But I think if everyone has their own criteria, it's super helpful to run it through that filter. But I totally agree with you. Networking is number one. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. There's nothing that really beats that. And I think coming back a little bit to go above and beyond, that's what we're about too. You know, we're using gifting as a strategy and as a tool to build business relationships, to encourage those referrals, to encourage that repeat business, to acknowledge the human need of significance. You know, if we're talking about USPs, one of the USPs of Go Above and Beyond is to link gifting to a business strategy. It's to put the return on investment. Yes, it is about kind of beautiful product and we do want to have nice things that we give to people, but why are we doing that? you know, what's the outcome? And it is about building that relationship. It's about nurturing that relationship. It's about acknowledging those human needs for significance, for acknowledging, for rewarding, and loyalty as well at the end of the day. And again, all of this does come out of networking and relationships. Yeah, totally. What does the future look like for you? The future is looking bright. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Look, the business has, I think I mentioned at the beginning that my journey through Go Above and Beyond has been really quite slow for someone who has had the business for four and a half years. And I mentioned some of my challenges kind of at the beginning. I'll repeat those. They were the ones, you know, kind of not really backing myself after my business experience, my previous business experience in New Zealand with the technology company. I didn't have a coach on board. I didn't have my mindset right. And so it has taken a lot longer than maybe other businesses have taken. But do you know what? I've had an incredible amount of learning kind of through that, which is now the time for me to take that and go forward. The business has grown from literally one client into, oh goodness, I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually know how many I've got at the moment, but it's, I think it's because business is coming in on a daily basis. I've literally just launched the website, but prior to that, I was getting calls on a daily basis, kind of, you know, oh, we hear that you do gifting and things and everything was growing organically and it was amazing. And the website came about because, you know, so many people would say, where can we get more information? Where can we see your product? So that was the reason that I put it out there. It wasn't just to hide behind it and have that kind of somehow magically then grow my business. But yes, we are looking to move to new premises very soon. I'm using the word we because I've just taken on my first staff member. Up until now, I've literally been doing everything. Remember, start lean. 
start leave. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, we've I've been bringing on new staff, which is fantastic, and growing the team. Um, we're also past. We I really want to cement in Victoria first. We're looking at expanding kind of throughout Australia, which will come very soon. And then obviously using my international networks as well. We're looking at opening things up into New Zealand and into the UK as well. So it's very exciting. It's so exciting. It's so exciting when you think about where you've come from. And it doesn't matter how long it's taken you necessarily to get where you, it's like getting all the foundations right, got to get the mindset right, got to get all the bits in place before you can scale. Otherwise, you don't do that work fall apart and you cannot actually grow you stunt your own growth so true you get in your own way yeah absolutely so tell me where can people find you how can they get in touch with you what's your new website my new website it's goaboveandbeyond.com.au and we're across the socials as well so there are links on the website to instagram linkedin and facebook Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been great to have you. Thank you for sharing your success and also your challenges with us because I think sometimes everyone thinks it's all peachy in business and it's not. (laughs) No. Look, there is always challenges, but I think that's one of the key, again, kind of just talking about language, challenge is a really good word because it means that you are looking to overcome those. And it's all part of the learning experience and everything there's a learning opportunity. So yeah, things don't go right the first time, just use that as feedback, right? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yes, challenges. It's not failures. It's just a challenge how you look at things. It's like, what can I learn? What's the learning? Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.